to the Bubble Lounge. I'm Martha Jackson, and today I have the most amazing guest, Nellie Shudo. <laughs> I was about to say, and I'm Nellie Shudo. I'm on the guest today. <laughs> so I am going to be talking to Nellie today because she just released her new book that she's been working on for over two years mm-hmm. called 50 Moments in Hollywood, Faking It, Making It, Taking It. Yeah, no, that's the that's the very important word. Because the publisher asked me to change it around. She was like, I think it sounds better faking it, taking it, and making it in Hollywood. I was, no, no, no. I said the operative word is taking it in Hollywood. Yeah, I think. As you, the final, uh, yeah, the final I, of the I three. I agree. You need to end with the taking it because it is the story of kind of an underdog, as you mm-hmm. as you have said before. And so walk us through. What was the inspiration of this? I think the inspiration was years of making an ass of myself (laughs) and also learning to keep my mouth shut in important situations but I have made so many like guffaws so many stupid like literally I've said so many dumb things like for example like let me just give you one of my stories um I so I went to Yale I did not study acting I studied Chinese and business but um I um was invited by the Yale alumni to um, welcome the new Yale alums to Los Angeles. And I thought, I'm going to do my duty. I'm an actor. It's very hard. These are all young actors from the drama school coming to Hollywood. Let me do this for them. So um, so I go and I go to this bar in uh, Santa Monica, Monica called Bodega Bar. And there's a big bouncer outside with a list. And I'm not on the list. Oh, no. And he's giving me a hard time. And the thing is, it's the Yale Club of Los Angeles. Uh I mean, come on. Probably not very big. No, usually our (laughs) events are like a picnic outside. I mean, they're really very low-key. So I was very surprised. I was like, listen, so-and-so knows me. I'm on the list. Let me in. And so uh, he finally lets me in because I annoyed him so much. And I go into the party, and there are all these young kids there. And I just, you know, I'm by myself. So I walk up to all these people, and I'm like, hey, welcome to Los Angeles. How was your experience in college? You know, and they're like, uh, yeah, it was good. You know, it was fine, whatever. And then I walk over to another couple, and I'm like, hey, welcome to Los Angeles. You know, when I was at Yale, I really enjoyed the <laughs> choir and being a part of this and that. And they're like, Okay. Good for you. And I keep walking and I'm talking to people and I'm welcoming them to Los Angeles. And finally it dawns on me that I, everybody's looking at me like I have three heads. And um, I suddenly asked, am I at the Yale party for new graduates? And they're like, no, it's the survivor rap party. Oh. Literally just then, the screens come down. Jeff Probst is in the background. I hadn't noticed him. I was too busy talking to PAs who I thought were Yale graduates and making an ass of myself saying, when I was at Yale, you know, like something you would never say to anybody except at a Yale event. So they just thought you were kind of like a crazy lady that walked in off the street. about my college experience. That was like bragging about her time at Yale. That is awesome. And I've done stuff like that so many times another time I did that was um uh Sir Ben Kingsley who insists that you call him Sir Ben not just Ben Kingsley okay and we worked together for a long time so we were you know hanging out and I still had to be like Sir Ben can you pass the salt but when I first met him I made an ass of myself because I said to him oh my god I was so looking forward to meeting him I love him he's a great actor and I was like oh my god it's so nice to meet you you know our children play together (laughs) because my (laughs) nanny who you know uh, told me that, you know, we're hanging out with Sir Ben Kingsley's kids, blah, 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 blah. 
probably Ben Kingsley. She probably did not say sir. And um, so I said that, and I'm in front of Martin Scorsese and Leo DiCaprio and all these people on the set on the first day that I'm working. And he looks at me and he goes, my children are in their 30s. (laughs) (laughs) Oopsie. And I was like, oh. You know, like foot and mouth, how do I get out of this? And um, I don't know. I just always managed to get myself in a position. Well, it, these stories, I think everyone can relate to, you know, saying things that they shouldn't, doing things that they mm-hmm. shouldn't. And so I feel like this is a really great book that could appeal to anyone that's not even necessarily in Hollywood, but just the fact that it is Hollywood stories is just an added bonus because it makes it extra interesting. Well, I think so too. And I think, you know, what's interesting is I noticed that, um, for example, my siblings are all sort of working the way I've worked for years. And I think we all are, is my point. Like we're all working seven days a week now but um, we're all sort of pushing for ourselves. We're all sort of underdogs in some area of our lives. And nobody goes to the office from nine to five anymore, right? <laughs> like everybody's got to sell their own stuff. Yeah. And I've been doing that since I was 14. And it's really not easy. And I feel like all of a sudden our lives have turned towards that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, there, there's just no downtime. It almost seems like like time to yourself and everything. No, there's not. It's like, kind of like you may have downtime to like go run or do whatever, but you're basically working seven days a week now instead of, you know, the, the whistle blowing at 5 p.m. on a Friday. It's like time to go out. Like like the Flintstones. <laughs> oh, my God. I was totally <laughs> thinking of Fred Flintstone. <laughs> 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 that was the best. <laughs> like, like my grandpa, you know, like, oh, he's, oh, it's time to get off the construction job and go have a cocktail. <laughs> You know, <laughs> out of the rock quarry. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I had the pleasure of reading it quite some time ago. You let me read it in the beginning stages when we were first starting to work on it. And there's one story that really um, I stuck out amongst the others. And that was your time at Martin Scorsese's office. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Share that with everyone. I will. So Martin Scorsese was my mentor for many years, well, for sure. like 12 years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not that he's not anymore. It's just that. You know, things run their course. That's the business, right? To have a relationship like that for 12 years is a long time. I would imagine that's a very long time in Hollywood years, for sure. It's a very long time. And I want to say how I met him, which I love the story. Um, I did a one-person show called Denying Park Avenue about my upbringing on the Upper East Side. I played my mom, my British nanny, (laughs) anybody I could embarrass um, and make fun of. And, uh, And my mother who was always like, God, I hope people don't think I'm like this. I'm like, well, you are. Um, (laughs) Had a copy of it. And she went to go see Martin Scorsese speak at NYU. And she gave him a copy. Oh, wow. And he called me a year later. Oh, my gosh. And I went into his office. And we became friends. Like, we literally became friends. And he didn't hire me for two years. He was my mentor for two years. Okay. So, um... So the first thing I did with him were, it was an American Express commercial. I did like a couple commercials with him, um, a Cane Cuvée commercial, and then I started with um, The Aviator. But uh, one day I was waiting for him for a meeting. And you know, when you have somebody that big that you're meeting, you wait. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So I'm waiting for a couple hours. And let me describe, when you walk into Martin Scorsese's office, first of all, there's a bouncer, much like the Yale Club thing that was really Survivor. <laughs> Somebody's like checking you in. You mm-hmm. have to use his fake name to get sure, in, right. which I won't say, but um, but you have to use that fake name to get in. You go in the elevator. They're watching you. Go, you go upstairs. It opens on the fifth floor. Somebody meets you. Uh-huh. They take you down the hall. Okay. You pass the bathrooms. You pass the screening room with you know all kinds of famous people sitting in there doing their screenings. You're walking all the way down the hall to his office. So by the time you're there... You're like, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to sit here. I don't want to bother anybody. I'm, I'm lucky to be here. And so I'm sitting there on this very uncomfortable couch in his office. 
I don't know why. He's a very uncomfortable couch in his office. And I'm <laughs> sitting there waiting for him. And I'm talking like it's maybe an hour and 15 minutes at that point. Uh, it's a Friday night. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I need to use the restroom. So I remembered that he had a private bathroom in his office because I saw him go in there one time. And I did not want to walk back down the hallway, disturb everybody. You know, I, I just didn't want people to see me. I, I felt sort of like, you know, less than. And I was like, I'll just use this bathroom. Nobody will know. <laughs> so I go in and use his bathroom. And first of all, I notice it. And it's like, there's a tiny little, you know those tea towels that don't dry anything on your oh, dishes? Yeah. Okay, that's yeah, what they're there is Yeah, they're just decorative. Yeah, it's like hanging on this rack. Um, and, uh, you know, I look around, there's some pills. I'm like kind of nosy. I'm like, hmm, what's in here? Yeah. What kind of, what kind of pills <laughs> like, are we talking here? I'm like, what's he got in his office? Okay, stop. So I use the restroom and as I'm sitting on the toilet, I'm like, oh shit, literally. Oh, uh-oh. This is a much bigger moment than I thought it was. And I literally take a big dump in Martin Scorsese's toilet. Oh my. And I am like, okay. You know, then I, like, I, I try to flush the toilet. It does not flush. I'm freaking out. Okay, I'm freaking out. The toilet will not flush. It's stuffed up. <laughs> I go through all his cabinets. I'm going through his office. I don't know if there's a camera in there. I'm like, could there be a camera in the bathroom? Who knows? <laughs> I'm o- opening everything, and I cannot find a plunger. So I literally take my hand, and I put it in the toilet. <laughs> and I oh try my. not to stop it. Don't, sh- saying, don't guys, shake hands with Nelly. I'm saying, guys, you know you've all done it. You've been on a date with a guy or something where you're like, oh, my God, I can't leave the toilet stuff. They're going to know it's me. So I'm doing everything that I can do. And nothing works. I wash my hands frenetically, dry them on the little tiny hand towel that's made of cheesecloth. <laughs> and uh, I flush it again, and it flo- overflows all over the oh entire God. bathroom. I literally would just run out. I did. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, I'm just going to leave it. But then I thought, he's going to know it's me. I mean, I'm sitting in his office on a Friday night at like 8 p.m. He's going to know it's me. So I go out to talk to the secretary, and I'm like, hey. She's on the phone. I'm like, please, that's he said, it's an emergency. She's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'm on the phone. Uh, I'm like, you don't understand. It's an emergency. She's like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. I was like, finally, I said to her, Lisa, I stuffed up the toilet. And uh, mm-hmm, she was mm-hmm. like, okay, it's no big deal. Just leave it. I was like, you don't understand. Like, I-, I can't leave this there. This is really embarrassing. I can't leave it. And um, so she's like, well, isn't there a plunger? And I'm like, there's no plunger. There's no plunger. So she sends a guy out to um, Home Depot. The, the production assistant to get me a plunger because they were going to say they said they'd do it themselves I'm like you can't no you can't do this yourself I'm too mortified oh so gosh. they sent him out but Home Depot is closed on a Friday night in New York so um, he comes back with no plunger now it's an hour later I've been there for two hours and 15 minutes I'm waiting on Martin Scorsese with his bathroom overflow like over flooded with everything of mine um, so uh, they I, you know, I said to her, look, this is really, it's, it's really bad news. And she's like, how bad could it be? And I'm like, it's really embarrassing. She's like, yeah, it is. Oh I'm like, that's God. not helping me. Get me a plunger. So they found me a plunger. They went to like the 12th floor and found me a plunger. And they cleaned the entire bathroom up, put everything back in order, washed everything with that little stinky towel, put it back as it was. I felt like I was like on the set dressing Martin, Martin Scorsese's bathroom. And I sat down on the uncomfortable couch again. And as I sat down, he walked in. And the first thing I did was tell him that I stuffed up his toilet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what was his reaction? He laughed, which was good. <laughs> you know, but like I couldn't. I was just like, how can I not tell him? I'm like sitting here like, hello. 
Oh my God. That <laughs> is like giving me so much anxiety just yep. thinking about it because that that's like everyone's worst nightmare. It is everyone's for sure. nightmare. Yeah. And you know, like, again, <laughs> you know, the book is really, it appeals to everybody, I think, because it's a very quick read. I see it as a spring break read, you know, a sitting on the beach kind of read, a sitting by yourself over the weekend kind of read. Thanksgiving break, Christmas break. Exactly. <laughs> Good Christmas gift because it's funny. Yes. And I do think people are fascinated by Hollywood. Oh, I absolutely am. Like, I always loved the show Entourage, which... Mm-hmm. I hear that you appeared on an episode on. Mm-hmm. And um, just because I'm so fascinated, especially with the younger people who like really shoot up to fame and just being young and unprepared to handle that lifestyle of all the mm-hmm. the money and all the, I don't know, just the entourage coming after you, just everything is so fascinating to me. No, it is. And there are a lot of stories. I mean, you know, I, I try to stick to the funny in everything or the lessons I learned. Yes. And because, you know, I put myself in situations like you just do. We all do. Right. And I it's not it's not a me too book. It's not a complainy book. It's a funny book about yeah, stuff. Right. But it does have some stories, like some poignant stories. Like um, one of my my favorite chapters happens to be a story about when I worked on um, a movie in Boston and uh, I got punished because I got in Sandra Bullock's car by accident one morning. Oh, my. The doorman told me, your car is here, because he thought I was her. Oh, and wow. I got in, and she got in the back, and we're both sitting there. And she's like, no, it's your car. I'm like, no, it's your car. And she was like, no, no, no. And she got out, and I was like, okay. It was so early in the morning. It was like 4 a.m., 4.30. Ugh, yuck. And so I went to the wrong set. Oh, my gosh. And I was like two hours late <gasps> to work. So I was uh, relegated to being the first. I was punished. The first AD punished me. And he said, I, I said, it's not my fault. Like, I asked the driver five times. Are you from the set of this? Are you from, you know, whatever. He didn't really answer me. He was kind of annoyed by me. He was foreign. He couldn't really understand me. I asked so many times. I called. I did everything right. But nonetheless, I was punished. And so I was relegated to being the first on set every day, which means I sometimes slept three hours. It was very exhausting. Yeah. Um, But I had a guy who was my driver, and he had gotten fired too. and he Not fired, but like demoted. And he was the last on set every day. So he would tell me if I was on the schedule. And I was missing my family very much. So I would fly home to L.A. if I was not on the schedule. So I, um, one weekend, I was in Los Angeles, and I was texting him. He didn't text back. And I kind of freaked out, and I flew back. Left my little five-year-old, my husband, and I flew back to to Boston. And um, I thought, gosh, maybe he's mad at me. I don't understand. And long story short, somebody else picked me up the next morning from the hotel, and I said, where's Johnny? Like, what happened? And he was like, don't you know? He's dead. Oh, wow. And I said, what? And he told me that this long story about what had happened to him, I immediately said, I want to go to the wake. I went to the wake. Um, It turned out to be sort of a mobster wake. I recognized people from previous movies I had been on who Mm -hmm. were like the experts, Mm -hmm. Um, and I was kind of freaked out. And... um, there was something weird about the entire night, something weird about the entire incident. And um, I started to realize I was at a mobster funeral and I, I, I got back to, I went back to the hotel right away and I called my dad and my dad goes, oh my gosh, it sounds like he was whacked. Ooh. And you know, my dad, the Italian. And I said, it kind of does, doesn't it? And um, I was really freaked out by this. Yeah. And so my dad said to me something really smart that older people say, read the obits the next morning. Yeah. And so I read the obits, and in the obituary, it literally said, Johnny Buckets, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying their last name. Buckets. Yeah. His name was Johnny Buckets, which, you know, sounds like a mobster name. Yes. Right? Um, beloved nephew of very, very famous gangster. Oh. And so I'll never know the truth, but in my opinion, like, 
Yeah. Something bad happened. I think that's an easy assumption, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about dating in Hollywood. You've mentioned to me before when we were out having drinks that you've dated pretty much every actor in Hollywood. I have dated every actor in Hollywood. <laughs> Dish, tell us some juicy gossip. Well, you know, uh, I don't think I can. <laughs> I don't think I can. I mean, I've dated Adam, actors. Adam I mean, Sandler. I did, like fun, <laughs> funny actors such as him are really funny because... They all have this habit of dating Playboy bunnies. So you go out with these very funny people and you're out to dinner and they're like, ah, cutting jokes and they're so funny and you're sitting around and you're there with all these Playboy bunnies or strippers. Okay. (laughs) At dinner. (laughs) And it's a very odd, you know, uh, alignment of people. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Some, a lot of famous men seem to gravitate towards that clientele. It's true. Especially (laughs) comedians. People don't realize comedians are actually very serious people who kind of like, one minute they're funny, the next minute they're kind of depressed. And they don't, they don't think about that. Like humor is a disguise, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I've definitely heard that before. And just, you know, their outlet and a lot of actors too, like Mm -hmm. Harrison Ford is really shy as from what I hear. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's so fascinating how they're, how so many people are kind of have an alter ego. They're, in real life, they're really shy, but then they get up on the stage or on the set or whatever, and then all of a sudden this different personality just pours out. It's true. And like my sister who got uh, a degree in psychology said to me at one point, um, you know, about my brother who's a newscaster and myself, she goes, Mary and I, the other two sisters, are um, extroverts. Mm-hmm. You and Jimmy are, as I call him, not Jim, are introverted Extroverts. Extroverts. Yes. And it's really true. Yeah. Like, I think at the end of the day, we're very extroverted, but we like our quiet time. Uh And I think that's true of a lot of actors. I think the world has changed a little bit in that we now live in a world of people on, you know, Instagram, et cetera, Instagram Mm -hmm. stars, Mm -hmm. influencers, et cetera. And I do not think that you would find a shy person behind that like you would with an actor. But people right. who go into acting really want to gravitate towards the material. Uh-huh. They they care about what the writer's trying to say. Mm-hmm. They're um, trying to be that character and play it well. And I don't think in general that actors are very uh, need to be the center of, of attention. They really don't. <laughs> 90% of them don't. Then right. you have some, I'm not going to name them, where you're like, oh, God. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Could you pipe down over there? Yes. Well, like, like one of my chapters is about um, when I used to hang out with all these women, and they were all on every sitcom you would all know. And uh, we went out one night, and we were like the best of friends. We went out every weekend, like, you know, two nights a week, weekend. And um, they were like, oh, my God, let's go to the mall and see who recognizes us and sees we're famous. <laughs> and immediately I sort of got dumped out of the group. I, I, and I know exactly who you're talking about. And it's mm-hmm. such a – and you say in the book, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's such a disappointment for any of you who have watched this particular show that this woman actually became very well known for to think – she would dump our little friend Nellie like that. <laughs> it's true. And like, you know, I learned my lessons hard, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you what. I had a friend I did a radio show with, Tim Bagley, who's an actor who's been like on Will and Grace. He always plays, he always plays like the super gay guy on uh, sitcoms, et cetera. Uh-huh. And I went to go see his one person show uh, at the HBO workspace. And he had the funniest way of telling stories. And he would be like, I'm not going to say who it is, <laughs> but she turns letters on oh, a game a show, like, game hmm, show. <laughs> and he got away with it and so I kind of tried to do that in the book I okay. tried to sort of say yeah. I'm not going to say who it is but it might have been a sitcom about a bed and breakfast in Connecticut <laughs> you know like in people you can figure it out guys yeah. you can if figure you, it if out if you really want okay. to okay do your research <laughs> <laughs> so tell me like before you got to Hollywood were you pretty thick skinned because obviously going through everything that you've gone through with all the auditions and all the things that you've worked on People aren't always nice in Hollywood. 
No, they're not. But I wasn't thick-skinned. I think I learned to be. Yeah, you'd have to be. I think I learned to just let things go, which I think is a good lesson for all of us, Mm -hmm. right? It's not even about being thick-skinned. I don't think I'll ever be (laughs) thick-skinned. I think at the end of the day, I'm a very sensitive person and I get hurt very easily. But I learned to accept that. Right. You know? And I think people have to accept that. Like, you know, if you're sensitive, you're sensitive. You know? And, And all of us in all of our careers and all of our lives have that kind of competition or we feel like we kind of got, you know, given the, I don't know, the shaft. Sure. You know? Yeah. You know, and you just have to learn to accept it and like not let it become who you are. Right, right. Well, as they say, when one door closes, another opens. Exactly. So you just have to keep positive and look at it that way. Yeah, I think I think more than anything, I'm thick skulled. <laughs> and so therefore, when things happen, I just kept going, sort of like somebody beating their head against the wall. And I'm like, I'm just going to keep going. And I think that's sort of the skill set you need to be in Hollywood. <laughs> so tell me about auditioning. Like, what is the craziest thing you've ever had to do? Like, it, it, if, according to the TV shows that I watch, it looks like it's a very quick process that they're just like, and thank you. And you have no idea if they liked you or not. Like, give me a No, the audition interesting process. Story. These are great questions, by the way. The audition <laughs> process is... Um, it's it's changed by the way. Everything's taped these days. Okay. Okay. Uh, that changed before COVID. Now it's even more so. Okay. But usually, when you're really up for a big part, uh-huh. you do go in and you meet the producers, and there, okay. the writers and producers are sitting on a couch in a tiny room like this one, mm-hmm. and you're playing some scene when you're dying. Yeah. Like three inches from their faces. Oh my god, that's exactly what I picture. Yes. So you sort of have to just create your atmosphere and ignore <laughs> it and move on. I would be so self conscious. That's but, why I'm a not an actress. <laughs> well, the craziest thing I ever had to do was be naked in an audition. <laughs> and I don't know why I agreed to it, and I regret it. So what, what kind of movie was, it was this? It was for William H. Good Macy, Lord. and I was like, well, he's an artist, so I'll do it. And I never felt more mortified in my life, so my message is, don't oh, do it. my gosh. Don't do it. It was for like two seconds, but I kind of thought, oh, it's part. It's the character. That's who she is. I'm doing something for art. And if I look back on it, I'm like, why do I do that? Oh, my gosh. You know? Yeah. William Macy. Made you get naked. <laughs> well, that's a great story. Not in a good way. <laughs> so how do we get your book? Okay, so my book, if you go to Amazon, um, it's just, just look up Nelly Shootout. The book's okay. called 50 Moments, Faking It, Making It, and Taking It in Hollywood as a Working Actor. But if you just put in Nelly Shootout, S-C-I-U-T-T-O, it will come up. Also, I have um, my own website called nelliesblog.com, N-E-L-L-I-E-S-B-L-O-G.com. And it's also listed on Facebook. And on all social media, I'm just Nelly Shootout. Perfect. Wonderful. Well, I want to remind everyone just how important it is for authors when their books come out and you buy them, especially on Amazon or any other places, to give them a review. They really need these reviews. A good one. Because the more <laughs> the more good reviews they get, the higher they come up and when people are searching for specific books. And so it really is important to support these authors and do that for them. Well, thank you, partner, for having me on. I mean, you and Sean have been very supportive, and I really appreciate it. (laughs) You're so welcome. It's been so fun just to watch you. I mean, this is definitely her passion project, her little baby that she's been coddling for at least two years. And it's been so fun to see you and just all the excitement that you have about it. And it's finally here. It's finally here. And by the way, guys, I'm having an event at L. Bartlett in Snyder Plaza on November 18th from 5 to 7. I'll be reading a couple chapters out of the book and signing books and cocktails, appetizers. It should be a fun time. That sounds perfect. This has been another episode of The Bubble Lounge. I'm Martha Jackson. And I'm Nellie Shudo, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>